I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Jan Cullinane, thank you so much for being here. I've learned about you over the last couple of years. I've read your work. You're in a lot of places, Ideal Living Magazine, obviously. And maybe we'll start out with some softballs for you. And, right. and for again, for our audience, we're going to be talking about, Jan is the author of The New Retirement, Ultimate Guide to the Rest of Your Life. And she's written a lot about single women as well in retirement, which is a very cool topic. And we have a lot of single uh, women that listen to this show. And I think it's a really important topic. So th- I wanted to have you on here for all of those different reasons. So you do live in Florida and you're close to the beautiful town of St. Augustine. Correct. A little south of that. Which yes. is a, a, a historic, beautiful place in Florida. It certainly is. Where is your favorite place to travel in the world? Um, my favorite place I have ever probably been, well, the, uh, the Antarctic would be one, and Arctic. I, I've gone to all the continents. It's sort of my big thing to travel. Um, so that would probably be it, to be able to have walked on every continent. I, I have to say, I'm kind of not answering one specific place, but um, that would be a biggie. Is Antarctica, people love that so much. Is it, what is, is it because it's almost like the untouched world? It's, it's untouched, and um, my, my background is science my, uh, before I started getting into writing books, so I'm very sensitive to the ice caps and the melting and the fragile nature of, of our earth. And so being able to walk on a place where very few people have walked on before, it's kind of magical. The other place is Easter Island, which a lot of people haven't heard of. That's the most, um, and in, that's the, the farthest away from anything inhabited island in the world. And they have all those moai, if you've ever seen them, those kind of God-like structures that go along the perimeter of the island. That would be my other favorite place. That's Easter Island off the coast of... It's Chile. Way off the coast of South of Chile. Okay. Yeah, like 2,000 miles. That's why it's the most... Uh, it's, it's People live there, but it's farthest away from any other kind of place where people live. All right, so I've got a couple bucket place lists yes. to go to after hearing that. How about your favorite place to travel in Michigan? In Michigan, well, I've gone to Lake Michigan, which I've okay. liked, and I've, I've walked around there. Um, Petoskey, am I pronouncing it correctly? Oh, I've you're so there. right. Okay. It is. I, that's where I go in the summer. Oh, you do? Yes, yeah, that I get, is Well, beautiful. there's a town even further north of that, but going into northern, northern Michigan is one of the most beautiful places in the world. People don't really understand it or know it, but it is overlooking the clear blue water of, the, of Lake Michigan is really, really magical. So I agree. I throw that in there because not everybody goes to Michigan. So I just assume that, but you've actually been there. So wonderful. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into this. I think one of the most difficult things to do, even if you have plenty of money and you do financial planning all day long and you know you have enough, or maybe you're on the line of having enough money long-term and you're leaving a job and you're leaving your primary career, you encourage people to ask a couple really important questions before you do that, Jan. What do we have to ask ourselves to know if you're ready to leave your your number one job in life? 
Well, I'd say if you want to collapse it into something really easy, just ask yourself these three questions. Do you have enough? Have you had enough? And do you have enough to do? So do you have enough? Obviously is about the money. Have you had enough? You might have enjoyed your career, um, but you might be ready to move on to other things. And then the last, of course, do you have enough to do with your 168 hours a week? How are you going to use those meanfully, gainfully, enjoy them, give back and do all that? So I think those three simple questions really cover quite a bit. Yeah, do you have enough? Have you had enough? Which is really not, it's not as though you may no longer like your job. It may just be that, look, I've done this for 25 or 35 or 40 years in a lot of cases. And it's like, okay, I've I've loved it, but I really do want to do something new. Now, in your category of do you have enough to do, clearly there's a couple sides of the coin there. We've got core pursuits. These are things that are, we have purpose and these are, we call them hobbies on steroids, but then part-time work. And do you see that as a big piece of the equation for, do you have enough to do people doing some, some other oh. career? Yes. In fact, you know, that employee benefits research Institute, they always do those things asking the people EBRI. who are yeah. Yeah, still working. Do you plan to work in retirement? And, and more than half always say yes. Now, the reality is the that number doesn't meet what the actual number is of people working. But the idea of doing something different in retirement is, is a huge one. And a lot for, for pay, which I think is good. And I always say, if you have kind of these P's lined up, you could maybe start your own job. A lot of people say they want to start their own business. And if you have, um, I would say you have to have a product that people want and you have to have people that are going to buy it and you have to have a passion for it that you're really interested in doing it. And you have to have uh, persistence and you have to have patience in order to to get it done. But uh, especially if you have a, a product and you have the people that want to purchase it, then that's sort of how I got into my doing this as a second profession. I traveled a lot. My husband's actually a CPA and we moved several places and I started thinking, and I would always be the trailing spouse getting another job. And I started thinking, well, what, what can I do on my own that I don't have to go somewhere and interview? And I thought, well, I, I'm going to start looking into this whole retirement issue. So I kind of use that. I call it the five P's that you can almost apply to starting a business yourself, whether it's dog walking or I know a a guy who um, he was a builder and then he moved somewhere else, but he would watch people's houses for them as they were being built that weren't there. And he had a good insight into it. So we had all of those five P's kind of set up. You know, I've thought of builders on the top 10 list for me. If I had to do a totally, totally separate career, that would be a top 10 is to be a a general contractor. I've I've lived through some big renovations. I built a house or paid for a house to be built. (laughs) And uh, the, but I could see that being really fun. I'd also like to be a football coach. I'd like to just, uh, I'd like to be a football coach and go take over a bad uh, high school program that's been terrible okay. and just 
be the first football coach that's never even played football that, that really doesn't even know a whole lot about football and just be a football coach. Again, I have this weird top 10 thing to do. In fact, the, there's a school in Atlanta that has for, I don't know, half century or had football and during COVID they kind of had such low numbers in their junior high. They didn't have enough kids in their, in the high school and they ended up getting rid of the football program. So they have like a stadium wow. and no program. Huh? And I thought it would be so fun to just go in and rebuild the program. I love uh, it. From someone who's never done anything. Now I've got a bunch of little kids and they do play football. So I don't know. It, it, that would be a total new challenge. It'd be totally fun. And I, it's a weird top 10 thing that I've thought about. Anyway, so let's talk about single women. Let's talk about the finances of that. I know you f have a really big focus on that. Um, tell me about the the unique, let's call it the unique challenges. I mean, in New Retirement, The New Retirement, which is your book, The Ultimate Guide to the Rest of Your Life. And then you wrote this, uh, you also wrote the Single Women's Guide to Retirement. What's specific to women that's different than maybe couples or, or men in general? Well, the funny thing was the reason I wrote that book, and, and like I said, um, I am married, is because I would do some talks, and uh, after one talk, like a couple women came up and you said, you know, we're, we're single, and it's a, it seems a lot of what you're saying, it's, it's good, but it often seems more related to couples. So, you know, what about us? So people who have were divorced or people who were, you know, there's this whole big thing. Dr. Bella DePaula does a lot of research on, on people who are single at heart, people who aren't single as a default because they're divorced or they got dumped or whatever, <laughs> but because they chose that they are very happy just as they are. And that's been very recent, that kind of research, which I find fascinating, quite a few women who just do not want to get married. But so I started looking at the contingent of single women in terms of uh, their numbers. And of course, when you do talk about longevity, that they are going to, most of us, 80 to 90% of the time, if you're a woman, you are going to be single at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Because the difference in maybe perhaps when you get married and because of the lifespan. And so they're also going to be 80 to 90% responsible for making all decisions. And that's something that I think a lot of women maybe aren't as good um, or haven't in the past been doing. Wait, but, say, whoa, whoa. Go, let me go back to that statistic. You said 80 to 90% of all decisions. You're talking about even if you're married? Or you, what, no, financial decisions because you will become single at some point. Got it. So yeah. 80 to 90% of women are going to be responsible for making oh, all right. decisions for themselves. Maybe I didn't say that correctly. Yeah. So that's, that's what I mean. So it's a, a big chance, even if you haven't and, and have more traditional roles laid down where you're going to be responsible for all the roles ultimately. So it's, it's good to either get a certified financial planner or somebody to help you get to that point that you feel comfortable doing that if you don't want to take on the job yourself, just like we have people take on other roles for us. But if you're going to be single, you need to know, you know, to whom to go to, to do all those, make all those decisions. That's very interesting. Single at heart. Yes. And why is that though? What What's behind single at heart? Is it just full autonomy? 
autonomy is a is a big one. They they feel they don't need another person. Doesn't mean they're not social. Doesn't mean they don't love people. Uh, but in the end, they are happiest by themselves um, in terms of living with somebody. But yet, it's not that they don't have a lot of social connections with other people. So it's just. We always see as sort of marriage being the default, but now there's more and more research coming out that a lot of people just are very happy being single. They they don't need to be part of a couple, and I think that's something newer we haven't really seen in the last before the last decade or so coming out about that. So women need to a prepare for at some point they're going to be making all the financial decisions. So that's one. What else that is unique to women? Well, I think women still need that social component. You know, we've all read the statistic like um, being lonely is equal to eating, to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, right? Mm. So it's not as if they are antisocial. It's just that they don't feel they need another person that has to be there with them to, you know, complete them. They're, they're whole by themselves. So that would be another one, the social support. So when single women, when um, people ask about, relocating, for example. I think that's a, a big thing that they need. They, they certainly want a social group. It might just not be a spouse, but they certainly need to look at the kind of um, places they might purchase or whatever, where you can have that social support kind of thing built into it. So say, for example, um, a community where it's easy to find places to volunteer, or say, for example, kind of these active adult or master plan communities where they have all these activities that you can be part of to meet other people. And every time I have, we have moved, we, I always picked a new community to move to or newer because it's people are more anxious to make friends. It's easier to make friends. And especially if you're, you know, depending how outgoing you are or if you're not as outgoing, if you're in a community where everyone is new, people are, are reaching out to you. And so I, I always find that's a, a good way to pick a place if you're going to relocate. That is a really, really interesting point. So when we talk about relocating, there is this great, I don't know if it's called wanderlust about, oh, I'm going to go live somewhere new. And again, top 10 in my life, I, a list of things I'll maybe probably never do would be one, like go move to Texas. Like I want to go just live in Texas or I want to go live in California. One of my younger brothers lives in LA near Manhattan beach. It really is a pretty amazing place. Love to go do that. Now, will I ever really go do that anytime soon? Probably not Four kids in school and in, in middle school and elementary school and it's just really hard to pick up and move when you've got that much interconnection. But I, I think about it. And then I think about in retirement, if you were to do that and you're going to move to Texas or you're going to move across the country and move to California, then that's tough because in my mind, the default is, wow, you got a long, you got an uphill battle to reintroduce yourself to the community, find good friends. I mean, good friends are typically longer term people that you've known for a long time. But you're bringing up the point, don't just say, oh, I want to go live in some new place in Texas or I want to go to California. You're saying, no, 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 pick a community to relocate to, not a, not a climate, not a town per se. 
Yes, I would say that, but it's all the other things that are important to you. You know, you got to look at the cost of living. You've got to look at um, the the taxes. You've got to look at what kind of environment do you want. You may want four seasons. You may want two homes. So those are all important. But but I think the idea of connection. How are you going to ensure that? And I also think it depends how you grow up. I'd say if we weren't um, transferred around to different places. I'd probably still be in the same area where I grew up. I'm one of six kids. Some of my family's there. Others have moved to other places because of transfers or whatever. But I saw it was fun and it was interesting. And it was a huge growth experience for me, too, I'd say. Finding another job, meeting people. And and I'm, I'm sort of on the right between an introvert and an extrovert. I can fake being extroverted. I'm probably really a little more introverted if I had to really admit it. But it it was such a growing experience to have to force yourself a little bit into doing different kinds of things and learning different things and maneuvering different things that I found it very exciting. Um, The other thing, of course, is with children, whether you're you're single or, or married, you have adult children. You know, a lot of people say that they want to live near their children, but I know my kids, they're in three different cities now. They're all adults with their own families. And uh, how do you, you know, arrange that? We've come up with the idea like, guess what? We'll come in and we fly in and we babysit like our son and his wife just went to Scotland for 10 days and we took care of the kids for them. So that gives them a chance to get away. We have a time, we're immersed together and uh, it, it works for us. But I know that doesn't work for everyone. A lot of people say they, they want to live close to their family, but that doesn't always work out, obviously. Yeah, it doesn't always work out because we can't control where our kids go. Right. You know, again, I think there is some power being near your kids. One of the studies I did for what the happiest retirees know is, uh, is happiness levels relative to location of adult children. And I do see happiness levels tend to rise once you live near half your kids, uh, 50% or more. It does tend to rise happiness levels. But to your point, you don't have to do that to be able to see your kids. In your example, you're 10 full blown days dealing with, or dealing with, <laughs> lovingly babysitting and spending time with all of these grandkids. Hey, y'all, it's Mallory Boggs, the producer for the Retire Sooner podcast. From an investment standpoint, the world is changing. We've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to much higher interest rates. All of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds. So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is going to pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S dot com. A lot of families that I've worked with over the years do end up in, we're here in the Southeast. So I'm based out of Atlanta mm-hmm. and you're, you're in, in Florida, mm-hmm. but I have so many families that I've worked with over the years have moved from Atlanta to probably number one spot would be the villages in central Florida. And I've had a few folks go there. It was too much for them. And they just said, look, I can't take, you know, 14 different water polo events per week. And right. 
uh, golf carts and fun all the time. Right. But I'd say call it 80 to 90% of people have stayed there and they really love it. And I, I just wanted your take on some of these other active adult communities. Are there a lot of places a lot like the villages or is that a very special, unique place? There are a lot of active adult communities with the 55 plus. Now, one thing I do want to say, because the villages started in about uh, the 80s, when people are looking at a place like that and those active adult communities, yeah, they're active. There are plenty of things to do. Again, I think if you are extroverted or introverted, they can be good because they usually have somebody setting up things. You just have to kind of show up. Like if mm-hmm. it's a book club, do they have performances? Do Are they doing, uh, you know, social different kinds of committees and they organize them sort of for you and you just have to participate. So I think it's a good thing for that. But here's my caution with, with those kinds of things. If they've been around a long time, let's and let's take the villages, for example, people tend to age in place. So the village is now the average age there is 72, but you only have to be 55 plus to move in there. And I think that's true. A lot of these active adult communities that started in the 80s, you now look at the average age and they're 72. That could be perfectly fine with you. But some people have told me, you know, they're a little surprised. They will go to one that has been around a long, long time. They're a number in Arizona and find it wasn't the place for me because I was like the youngest person there. You know, I was 55 and I was moving there and I didn't feel like I fit in as much. And, and I can say they can be kind of clicky. You get these people that have all moved there and kind of grown together. It can be maybe a little bit more difficult, but it certainly has the amenities. It certainly has the activities. Um, I'd also caution now at this point in time, we need to look at uh, politics as well. What is the politics of a place that you're going to move to? Um, The villages is heavily Republican. So I think that would be important if you're a big Democrat, you may not feel like you fit in as well. And that is something to consider as well when you do those. On the other hand, those active adult communities, they have a lot going on. You can be as involved or uninvolved. Now you've heard of Margaritaville, probably the Jimmy Buffett kind of theme communities or three of those going up. And they're also very popular, but they're new and they're getting in an influx of of younger people, you know, in the fifties at this point. That sounds awfully fun. If you're, if you are 55 and you're ready to retire and you, number one on your list is a place called Margaritaville. (laughs) It probably attracts kind of a fun group of people. It does. For the last book, I had interviewed somebody who um, went there. She just couldn't believe it. She made friends so easily, but it was a brand new community. It's in Daytona Beach. Um, Most people have heard of Daytona Beach, Florida. It's sort of the fun capital or not capital area, but fun area there in Florida. And she just said it was so fun. Now she works there. She loved it so much. She decided to go there. Um, She was single, but there was a big single contingent. And she checked that out as well to be sure that there was going to be enough for her and enough social support as a single. You talk about some niche retirement lifestyles. What are those? Oh, well, there are (laughs) non-traditional retirement lifestyles, (laughs) niche lifestyles. Let's talk about non-traditional. What are you talking about? 
Well, there are so many communities that can be targeted to a specific group. Like now there are communities with vineyards in them. There are communities with working mm. farms in them. There are communities, and I'm saying niche in a good way, like you can find something for every interest you have. I play tennis at Spruce Creek Community. It's a fly-in community. The houses, you can, they have a, a you, you have your air, your airplanes there. John Travolta used to have an airplane there. He used to have a house there in Spruce Creek. Uh, there's ones built just for male people called Nowcrest. And interestingly, dogs are not allowed in, in the community. You can, <laughs> I thought that was whoa, kind whoa, of whoa. So hold on. There's a community that's all guys, all men, <laughs> no, and no, no dogs. For letter carriers. They could be men or women. It, no, and spouses too. Letter carriers. They don't have I dogs. I totally missed that, Jan. Oh. Okay. Mail as in the U.S. Postal Service? Oh, mail. M-A-I-L. Yes, mail. Mail. Mail? There's a, yeah, there's a niche of people that work yes, in the Postal Service? Yes, you have to have been connected. It's called NALCRIST. It stands for the National Association of Letter Carriers and something else. Yes, and there's um, an in, Indian... Talk about community. a niche. Talk that about is, a niche. That is a true... That's a true niche. Yes. So there are a lot of That's the airports. That's amazing. I you're, know. You're not kidding about these niches. That is a true niche. Niche. Holy I like cow. to say niche. Yeah. yeah I, I say I like uh, where say I'm niche. from, uh, Pennsylvania, they, I, we grew up saying niche. People niche live on, sounds um, better. People live on ships now. That's, I would say that's niche. You know, people actually, there is um, the world. That was the first big one. They're building What's it called? Other, the world? The world. It was, used to be called the world of residency with SEA at the end, kind of clever. Now they just call it the world where you buy a place, a stateroom on the ship. They have chefs there. You are living on the ship. It's called the world. There are other ones being built right now too. I mean, let me tell you, the, the state rooms might be about $13 million. This is not for the faint of heart to be going there. But when we're talking niche, I'm talking niche. So there are- Where is the, where in the world is the world? <laughs> what harbor uh, does it sit in? Yeah. Where does it go ultimately? I, I can't tell you that offhand. I can tell you that everyone who lives on there, though, gets together and they decide on the itinerary. So you can put where is the world, the ship, and it will show you where its itinerary is, which is determined by the people who are living on that ship. Now they do. It does do, travel. So it's not like sitting in a harbor. You're not on a boat no, in a harbor. It's going no. all over the place. It's going all over the it's place. It's like a constant cruise. It's a constant cruise. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. These are so new. I've learned about mail as in letters. Yes. Uh, communities. The world where you get to live, you're a, a constantly traveling ship. Sounds like an ultra, ultra luxe cruise. We're not. Uh, it yeah. is. We are ultra talking. Luxe. Yes. I went to one uh, on the Disney property. Um, that is a, a Disney community. And that was very interesting. Like I, I would say it's for Disney groupies almost, but in a nice kind of way. There were people who lived there. It, when you walked around, even like the benches had the kind of dwarves kind of warm, you know, integrated into all the decor. And it's right on the property of, of Disney. So you, do, you know, 
there are people, when we took the tour, this woman told us that somebody had two, one for her, her own house and then one for her family when they come down. Um, so they're, they're all different kinds of ones. There's, there's one, and I don't think it's around anymore. It was in Texas. It had a racetrack in it for people who like to race. So we have them for the planes. We have them for the um, all different kinds of things that are, are really quite niche. They are building now LGBTQ plus communities. Um, they are just really pretty much anything you can think of. A lot of places like a commune where you have the common living, you'll have a central house where people will eat dinners together, but each will have his or her own home, or you could be single, you could be married, but you have that sort of an environment. If you like that, there are places where nudists live. We have a couple of those in Florida, or I should say clothing optional communities. So when we talk niche, I mean, we're talking there something for everybody out there. <laughs> have you written about a lot of these in Ideal Living? magazine? Uh, not an ideal living so much more probably in the book. I like, like in this most recent book, I list a lot of them and their names. And if you're interested and what their websites are, that I think your book sales just went through the roof. <laughs> I want to, that's why that in itself is fascinating. The, it's I, fascinating. I guess I didn't, I didn't realize it, it. I guess if you think about it, it doesn't surprise me. We, we've, we've developed so much specialization and so much, uh, and here we are in 2022, you can find whatever you want, but it is a big deal to have an entire community based around something. Yes. So I don't know if my, I don't know if I've gone that far to think that we've gotten that niche oriented, but it's wonderful to think about it. Right. I think that it's a very, it's inspiring and it's something that we can look forward to. Um, I bet you there's going to be ranch communities. I'm sure there's ranch. If you want to go out West, Yes, there are tiny home communities. I went to a couple of those. They are fascinating where um, uh, there were quite a few single women who owned them. Um, they were, talk about tiny, uh, there were probably about 700 square feet. So you would have to be uh, a whiz. A lot of people had built an extra kind of a storage area on their small lot, but it was it was very cute. They had all different kinds of activities, and these were people who really wanted to just pare down. It's actually, you had mentioned the villages. There was one fairly close to the village that I went to visit, and, um, you know, those people were enjoying themselves, all kinds of activities, but the houses Tiny houses. I don't know if you've heard of that term before. Of but course. That, yeah. Okay. But so, so that's an ultra affordable option. So the tiny house would be, it, would it's be not the as opposite. affordable as you think. I'm going to huh. say, I mean, they were, uh, this is near the villages. So it's, it's in Florida and it's more inland and they were two and 300,000. They bet that you were part of a community. So that also included, you were paying the fees for being part of the larger community with all the activities and a social director and things like that. They had a pool. So to tease out just the house from that, it was sort of all incorporated into it. Um, and they also say about those, you, you really have to be, I think, a special kind of person to want something that little. It probably couldn't be me. I tend to, like, even all my books, where would I put them? I was walking around thinking, how could I live in one of these? But I have a single sister in New York in a tiny apartment. She, she'd be a great candidate for one. Fascinating, fascinating thought around where to go. And I guess I hadn't thought as much about 
about really picking a community. And if socialization is on the top of so many of our lists as a key to happy retirement, and socialization is a challenge because we leave work, so we leave a network typically, and then you've got to, to some extent, rebuild that connectivity. And it's, it's work, it's time, it's effort. The community itself is a really, really interesting way to solve that challenge and solve the challenge of socialization. And I think it's, I love that we were able to go through that. So thank you for that. And, and I'd say along with, with volunteering too, of course, because once you get involved in something, you are exposed to a whole lot of um, different people and different ideas. And like I, I'm on a board of trustees of our library. So I've met a lot of interesting people there. I never really realized till I joined what the li- how many things a library does for, for the community is amazing. Or on different committees, I'm on different committees within the community and different kinds of volunteer activities. So those are all huge too. Besides just where you live, what are you doing in the larger community that helps yourself and, and helps others? That you know, idea of purpose that you had mentioned earlier. Speaking of, and I know you've done a lot of work with CPAs and other financial professionals. What about your take on the psychology of money? I mean, 2022, rough year in markets, lots of volatility. We have inflation. There's always there's always a wall of worry. And we've got to be able to, one of your earlier points is that you've got to have enough. So that means that you've got to have some investments. For Again, happy retirees have a, a, multiple different financial checkpoints that I write about in the book. One of them is liquid retirement savings, but it's tough, right? Once you get to your biggest amount ever, typically is when you're retiring, and then the volatility of owning stocks and fixed income and a variety of different assets is is psychologically difficult for some people. So what about, what's your take on the psychology of money? Well, I think everything you said is is true. I, I actually have a neighbor called John, and, and his whole background is financial, and his um, wife is not into that aspect of it. And um, in terms of that, what he, he actually did is he wrote a little booklet for her that said, and it's entitled, if I die. And, and, and that has all of the, all of the information in it, but certainly the idea of being able to plan ahead for that long horizon for retirement is so very important. And, and like I mentioned before, people thinking they could maybe have a second job, but probably easier now to have a second job, but it's not, not guaranteed how they do need a lot professional help. I mean, I'm married to a CPA. So what can I say? I'm lucky you're a certified financial planner, but those who don't, certainly that's my suggestion to get, to get help from doing that. We didn't talk about starting another business though, in, in retirement or your second phase of life. Do you see retirees starting their own businesses? I know you talked about, you've got to have a product, people, passion, yeah. Is it fairly common or does it are these hobby hobby type incomes that maybe people make a little bit of money but what is your advice on that piece of the equation My advice is if you I, I've always kind of liked working I've always enjoyed it um, so if you don't need to and you don't want to and you don't have to 
well then, okay, that's your choice. But if you want to, uh, I see a lot of um, women, I was, I will say in my community who are real estate agents, who are realtors and, you know, a, a, a large number of men as well, but I'd say predominantly women. And um, I, you know, it's a fairly easy, I don't want to say easy in terms of sounding bad, but easy thing to do. I went through a course one time just for the heck of it and took the test to see what it was like and what it involved. Um, but the problem with real estate, as you probably know, is when everybody is buying and selling, then the number of realtors go up. And then when nobody is buying and selling, the number of realtors go down. So it's sort of that thing that you always have about the same kind of competition for it. So I see a lot of people who are, are realtors, I would say, as a second career, because it's a pretty straightforward bar. I see a lot going into perhaps um, teaching people who have left a career, uh, people that have master's degrees. And I taught at a community college for a number of years, and we had a lot of people who are uh, attorneys who had retired. They were teaching law classes, who are accountants, who are teaching accountants classes, who are uh, psychologists teaching psychology classes. So that's kind of a natural one if you like the idea of teaching as a second career. Now, of course, so many places are dying and, and desperate for teachers. You know, in the state of Georgia, there's a push to allow people to skip kind of some of the protocol to become a teacher because we're so, we have such a shortage. If you've had a professional career, the state of Georgia is saying, look, uh, let's lower some of the regulations to become a teacher because we need people. The uh, Maybe the last thing I want to go to, if you could sum up your philosophy about retirement and happiness, I'd love to hear that. But I'd like you to do it speaking backwards, if you could. I can just take any word and, and reverse <laughs> it. It's a bizarre thing. I don't know, really. I, I think I can just visualize the words. I, I tried out. So the, what did you just say there? I know you said it backwards. And again, for, for proof of this concept, you can always play it, play it backwards and see if it really worked. But what, what did you say backwards there? I said, I, I can do that, but this is how it sounds. So I is I, can is knack, do is ah, this is sit. But is tub, you, aoi, uh, sound, stinuas. I can just sort of visualize the word. So it's the same sequence forward, but I'm just, I'm just saying each word individually backwards. And um, that was my moment of fame of trying out for David Letterman's Stupid Human Tricks. I did not make it on his show because uh, there was... I know because see this is what it sounds that's how it sounds so what what are they really going to do about it and prove it and all of that I think um, that, that <laughs> they would play it backwards is really what they would do well I guess you would it's not it, totally it, backwards it's is not it? It, it's each I'm pronouncing it like it's the word like if I said like which is l-i-k-e I would say like e-k-a-i-l so it doesn't really sound it if you you know what I'm saying play it backwards oh, it I see what sound you're saying. The exact same. Plus, did, the, did you work on it or did it something that you just realized you could just do without trying? Well, the real truth is, I think I started developing when I had to go to church every Sunday and I was in there for an hour and um, I would read the missile and then I'd start doing it backwards, I guess, in my head. And then I just found I could I could just visualize the words and and 
and do it. So it was, it's just a strange um, ability that I have. Other <laughs> I people it's... can, there are other people who can do it. I was on the Tyra Bank show and she had another person who could do it on there as well. So it, I'm not unique in the world, but I don't think there are too many of us out there who do it or admit to doing it. What can I tell you? I love it. I love it. Well, what about, so, so maybe just sum up your, uh, if, if you were to describe a happy retirement, what, what is it? Yeah, well, I think it's like my little mug uh, that says, oh, can you read that? that? The create uh, a life you don't need a vacation from. I love that. Somebody yeah. had given me this and I thought, you know, that kind of really sums it up. Um, that's how we want to create a, a life. And how do we do that? We do that by giving back. We do that by socializing. We do that by trying to stay healthy. And here's a little thing I read the other day, I think is just very instructive to stand up, Put your one leg behind the other and balance for 10 seconds. Can you do that? And they found, of course, after 65, um, the biggest cause of accidental death is falls. And if you can't do that on your right and left leg of standing up and for that 10 seconds, yeah, okay, put it behind. And then you want to count to 10, not behind, you kind of wrap it behind so your, your one leg is kind of touching the other behind you and do that for 10 seconds and do that on both legs. And it's surprising how many people cannot. You, you're doing a great job. So, so far, so good. You're gonna to live to a thousand. I like it, <laughs> I like it. So. Uh, Jan, this is awesome. You, uh, very, very new, fun information. Uh, I think that a great takeaway here is just how, if you're moving, you're moving to a community. I've been thinking about it backwards, no pun intended, for a long time. I keep thinking about, oh, what's a cool town to move to one day? Maybe it's more about what's the best community to move to one day. And maybe it, we'll, we'll start looking at it a little bit differently from you. So thank you, Jan. Well, thank you very much. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.